got a tiger by the tail It's plain to see I won't be much when you get through with me Well, I'm a-losing weight and a-turning mighty pale Looks like I've got a tiger by the tail This is Houndstooth Heroes, and I am sorry to say we are back for the 2020 college football season. Typically, we tell you about the program is brought to you by Druid City Brewing Company, but given the unprecedented times we find ourselves in, we are still working with our lawyers to update the contractual agreement with, you know what, we don't have a contract with them. Bo and Elliot just get us drunk for free. And for that, we say... Druid City Brewing Company, the finest suds in all of the South. Don't worry about parking at the brewery this year because ain't nobody going to a game, no way. I'm joined as always by my friend and co-host, Ellis Metz. Metzy, as always, I want to know what you're drinking. Howdy, partner. Great to be here, Gregory. Uh, There is a slight chill in the air here in Nashville, and hearing your voice just made it feel like fall, so I cozied up with some Elijah Craig. I think it's a single barrel. It's a gift from listener Fred, and it is mighty, mighty tasty. Hey, Fred. Uh, thank- yep. Hey, Fred. Thank you. Uh, before we get into the show, I want to give a quick listen, a listen disclaimer here. All right, listen. The world is falling apart. Things are burning to the ground that shouldn't. Terrible people are protecting the things that should burn to the ground. And somehow we are still as a country debating whether or not wearing a mask is too inconvenient to save lives and neighbors and those we love. I want to be clear that I am in no way talking about Herman Cain here. Uh, We could spend all day offending listener Carol. And for that, you should tune into our other podcast, Listener Carol and other opinion havers who would set our country back 200 years. But listen. We might get there. We might start talking about that. Maybe we'll hashtag stick to sports. Maybe we won't. Deal with it. All right. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. The offseason has been full of personal developments for your boys. And perhaps the most important one is that the king has returned to his fiefdom. Yes, that's right. My dear Gregory is no longer a bright houndstooth dot in a weird hatch green chili state, but now in fact represents the hashtag brand in his hometown, the OG city by the bay, the city of six flags, the city where quarantining first became a trend after senior bowl 2014, when your boys rip shots with former Auburn defensive genius, Brian Van Gorder. That's right. I'm talking about mobile Alabama. Gregory, obviously, please, first and foremost, tell me and the listener what you are drinking. But I also just want to hear, how how does it feel to be back amongst your people? I, too. Well, thank you. I, I too, am enjoying a single barrel. On, but I am enjoying four roses on this evening. I'm also wearing a Stetson. I felt like I should add that. Um, I am back in Mobile. One of the things I hated about Santa Fe was that it never rained ever. Um, it has literally rained every day since I got back. We had a hurricane. I lost power for day for four days. In short, my friend, karma is a bitch. Uh, but I'm glad to be back amongst my people. New job, new house, same me, but enough about me. Uh, we've waited for a long time for for this podcast to return, hasn't it? Uh, so let's get this party started. First things first, is the Tide going to win the Natty this year? 
All right, I gotta say, this season feels like it has Tide Natty written all over it, mainly because it seems like there could be a lot of controversy and and disagreement about the champ's legitimacy this year, and that is when the Tide is at its best, people. So with the caveat that we're just gonna claim a championship, really, regardless of where our final record ends up, I say yes, classic Tide. And now to you, sir, is the Tide gonna win a Natty this year? Look... I just want to get back to the playoff. I felt like an emperor with no clothes for most of January. So I do, but I do think the real challenge is Ohio State this year. Their schedule is a bad joke, and if there's one thing we know, it's bad jokes. Um, so I think they're probably the chief competitor. I have a wild prediction that Clemson goes to Notre Dame and loses their ass, and with their schedule, they'll need help to get into the playoff. Um, everybody has them, you know, penciled in. Notre Dame has one game this year, and it's Clemson. And the Clemson has one game this year, and it's Notre Dame, and it's there. It's in South Bend. So I have the distinct feeling that they are going to go up there and get it handed to them by the Fighting Irish. Oh, Gregory, if that if that happens, we need to go ahead and call this podcast over because I will die of the laugh. <laughs> Just straight die. All right, before we move on, hold on. I need to know, a Stetson tonight. Yeah, a Stetson. Why the hell is not? that? Why? Did you find it in the move? Is that, well, was that no, left you know, over in the house? Well, you know, here's the thing. I was in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and Stetsons are a thing out there. I was a hat wearing mm-hmm. man in New Mexico. Uh, but now I'm in Alabama where hats are really so much not a thing. Um, but I'm drinking whiskey and feeling frisky. So I am all about a Stetson. May have just gotten a new tagline for this pod. I know. And that just came out too. I mean, it's amazing. It natural, yeah. Now that's interesting. I, I get one of my biggest pet peeves about living in Nashville is people who come to town in Stetsons because we are not a cowboy hat wearing people. No. That is very much a Western thing. Um, so I'm glad to hear that you're representing the right region with that. And while we're on the topic of Tennessee dumbasses, right. uh, we'll get in we'll get into the football talk because I was thinking about, you know, the puke orange dumbasses in Knoxville number their teams. And this year's team is around 169, something like that. I'm sure they'll plaster. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they'll plaster it on a sideline trash can and we can figure it out later. We don't do counting other than to say that this year's team is probably going to be national title team number 18 or whatever we're up to now. Uh, But Gregory, let's talk about the offense. Why don't you start by telling us who we got on the offensive side of the ball? What has you most excited, intrigued, aroused? Right. There's a lot to talk about on the offense, so I'm going to talk a lot. Sorry about that. Um, The offense, as you know, was amazing last year, scoring the second most points in the history of the program. And it's going to be fantastic again this year. Um, Last year, we averaged 511 yards a game uh, and 47 points, which is just absurd. Uh, However, the sins were that it couldn't outgain an LSU team that put together probably the best history, best best season in the history of college football after our worst quarter in 20 years. Uh, Number two, we left two in too long against Mississippi State, but we're not going to talk about that. Number three, mm. we could not overcome a few bad throws at Auburn. 45 points weren't enough. It came together to produce a season that was less than uh, desirable. Uh, Steve Kerr Sarkeesian managed to lose four players of note 
Tua, Jedrick Wills, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy to the first 15 picks of the draft. Uh, but kind of that's sort of the cost of doing business for the Crimson Tide. But what's almost as important is who did not leave early. Renaji Harris, the running back. Devontae Smith, wide receiver. Alex Leatherwood, offensive tackle. Would have all kind of flirted with the first round last year and certainly would have been taken in the top 50, but they chose to stay, and that's a big one. Uh, but again, the loss of Tua, that's a big one. He was pretty good. But speaking of quarterbacks, the depth chart has been released, and Mac Jones has been named QB number one. Uh, he's the safe call to step in and run that attack. He's the veteran. He saw plenty of op- op- action and mop up duty uh, stepping in when Tua went down for the year. You know, uh, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on, on, on Mac and his proficiency and whatnot? Yeah. And I don't want to, I don't want to get into your offensive preview because I know the other quarterbacks who are, well, another quarterback who is worthy of being mentioned is coming up. I think, I think Saban did this because it has to be Mac's team to lose, right? I mean, the way he yeah. stepped in last year, very admirable. I'm not going to get into my Jalen, you know, great <laughs> for the program, stand up young man type of thing. I think it's a little different than that. I do think he right now is probably the best option we have. Um, but I, it, it feels like his days in that spot are numbered. Do you agree? Uh, I do agree. Talia Tagovailoa, the younger Tagovailoa, transferred to Maryland. And there is a reason he transferred to Maryland, because welcome to the University of Alabama, Mr. Bryce Young. Uh, he is six feet tall and only weighs 190 pounds, but the boy can sling it. Uh, and he is devastating in the open field. So in my opinion, it is probably only a question of when, not if. Bryce takes over for Matt. Uh, folks that are in the know who've been to the practices and, you know, the, the, the REC types uh, tell me he is game ready right now. So I feel like this is a Tua taking over for Jalen situation. It's just a matter of having the balls to pull the trigger sooner rather than later. Just do it when it needs to be done. You got more hot uh, takes on that? Well, that that's kind of what I wanted to get into. I mean, yes, I, I've heard the same things about Bryce. I've seen, I try not to watch videos of high schoolers playing football because I think it's weird and probably not indicative of it's what creepy. they're about to face. It is weird, but, and, and also terrible soundtracks, right, terrible yeah. soundtracks to those. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but his video, his footage is insane. Uh, so, I mean, the talent is obviously there. His high school coaches who I think they had Matt Leinert and uh, maybe a Barkley. Was that that guy's name? Yeah, um, there was a I think there was a bark that that okay. that guy that posed in the Speedo, that dude. Blonde kid. <laughs> wow. Wow. I don't know. I, yeah, I, you, know <laughs> you know more than I do. There was okay. Maybe that's not the right guy. Anyway, there was this. I'm, this I'm almost certain it's the right guy. To Duncan Speedos. It was all real weird. Um, and I think his name was Barkley, but I could be wrong. All right, but enough about watching high school videos. Yeah, you know. uh, no, no. I uh, but they, the the coaches that had Bryce Young out there have seen talent, and they say that he is easily the best they've seen. I, what has me a bit hung up as I think about this is. Do all teams have this issue where the starting quarterback is just kind of a mystery or a temporary announcement at the beginning of the season? It just seems like we continue to find ourselves in this situation. And I'm not going to lie, Saban has dicked it up more than once. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I think it's uh, it's a the price you pay for recruiting your ass off uh, when... Yeah. You know, sometimes, and it's, I don't think it just happens at the quarterback position. It's just the one people talk about. But 
you know, a lot of the times the number two, your number two guy is better than your number one guy. And like I said, that was the most frustrating thing when everybody in Tuscaloosa knew they needed to put in Tua instead of Jalen and they wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that happens in every position, particularly when you've got an embarrassment of riches uh, sitting on the sidelines. I don't know that it's unique to Alabama, but I would imagine it's unique to five or six programs. Okay. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's a, it's a problem of wealth. Yeah, uh, that's our lives. There's our other tagline. We are so rich. But let's do some wide receiver chat, shall we? We lost Jerry Judy. We lost Henry Ruggs in the first round of the NFL draft. But we still might have the nation's best receiving core. Devontae Smith returns after leading the team with 1,256 yards and 14 scores and 68 catches. Uh, he has. We also have, of course, the do-it-all playmaker, the man who almost beat Auburn by himself but did not. Mr. Jalen Waddle, who uh, Gregory, Gregory, hold on. Yeah. Do you hear that? No, Ellis. What do I hear? Oh, yeah. That is the sound of hundreds or at least dozens of people asking me one single question. And given the sheer amount of fan interest and the number of people asking me that same question over and over everywhere I go all day long. I got to do it to him, Gregory. That's right. Put out the press release because I am launching a new segment this year. <laughs> I hate myself. <laughs> All right. This one, I, we're working on the name, so I'm just going to kind of, I'm just going to go down the list. The, 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 the question is, how is Jalen Waddle's Heisman campaign going? I've been thinking about a more clever name. You know, one option would be how many days left until Jalen Waddle lifts the Heisman trophy? That is clever. Thank you. Thank you. It requires math and I haven't done it, but let's see. So we're in September. No, no. Keep, 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 move on, move on. No. Okay. I think it's like, let's say 75 days. Sorry. Another option. Waddles swaddles. See, because his name is Waddles, and it, it's like swaddling, like you wrap a baby in. This is stupid. And he's going to no, cradle that. What else do you okay. have? All right, all right. Next up. Waddling to the downtown athletic club. Did you know that the, the trophy ceremony is no longer held at the New York downtown athletic okay. club? Of the shitty options, that's the one we're going with because waddling okay. is a funny All right. word. All right. Quack, quack. Waddling to the downtown <laughs> athletic club where the, where the Heisman Trophy award ceremony was once held. Uh, all right. Anyway, to the substance, you know, at Alabama, we don't care about individual awards until we can win them. And so this year I am fully on board with the Jalen Waddle Heisman campaign. I will say Desmond Howard on college game day is trying to steal my bit. He's gotten in on this too, like a Johnny come lately. Uh, the current the current Vegas number here is plus six thousand and six hundred. Which, if you're not a uh, an addicted gambler like some of us, it's not great. Well, he's but a lock, I, is what you're saying. Just a lock. Yeah, he's, that's what I was gonna say. A mortal lock. I have put the mortgage on it. Fantastic. Well, so anyway, there's another Metsy segment that'll. We'll be around for three or four weeks. Anyway, uh, the receiving core, let's move to that, is great. Uh, but the running situation is even stronger. The one-two punch of Najee Harris and Brian Robinson Jr. Somehow, when I wrote about the running backs, I decided that Brian Robinson Jr. was NFL ready last year. Yeah, I don't know, I don't really know where that came from, but he's still good. It's quite a take. Uh, 
So we he got we got them. We landed Jace McClellan out of Oklahoma. I mean, pulling him away from Oklahoma to go along with Trey Sanders and last year's third leading rusher, Keelan Robinson. Uh, so that stable of running backs is almost unfair. But again, Najee is the guy. Uh, and the rotation will be awfully strong behind another great offensive line. Alex Leatherwood continues to be an all-star tackle at the left tackle position. Landon Dickerson is back at center. And as long as the right tackle emerges right away in place of Jedrick Wills, all will be fine, in my opinion. Gregory, I want to ask something here. Yes. Am I, am I alone in that I don't? watch the offensive line. I feel like a bad football fan. I know like a real X's and O's guy should watch the O line. Uh, I love to get real mad about it when something bad happens, <laughs> but I, I can't really tell you anything about any of the guys you just named. Let me just tell you, Ellis, it's about footwork. Ooh, yes. Low man wins. This, this is what I know about the offensive line. It is about footwork. And I don't know anything more than that, but that's what I'm here to tell you is, is about footwork. And that apparently our offensive line is fantastic this year. Uh, so we should be able to pretty much run the ball at will. And whoever is back behind under, under center is going to look good because he's going to get a lot of time. And so I'm with you on not knowing a lot. I do know there's footwork. Okay. that that. Sounded better than I did. Uh, I have heard that this is going to be one of the best offensive lines of Saban's tenure, which is uh, arousing in its own right. right. A few shout outs to other folks. Saban has been big this offseason on wide receiver John Mechie. I believe that's John Mechie the third. I can't, can't, don't quote me on that, but very excited to get up in his Mechies. Um, shout out to redshirt freshman running back Trey Sanders, who you mentioned uh, in the early signing period last year before he was injured and set out the year. Uh, he said, and I quote here, as a freshman at Alabama, I do plan on winning the Heisman. So the kid certainly Never doesn't like confidence. We love that. And mm-hmm. lastly, Slade Bolden, who was around, I guess he's sort of uh, for you Saints fans out there. God bless your souls. We won't talk <sighs> about it. Don't we even, won't talk about it. Nope. We're not, not going to talk about it. But he's a little bit of Tyson Hill kind of thing and that we're paying him millions of dollars and he does. He can do a lot of things on offense. Uh, he may throw some this year, but Gregory, it got me to thinking and it was it was thinking of Slade Bolden and then seeing Mark Ingram take a, take a wildcat snap into the end zone for the Ravens this weekend what has happened to the wildcat offense is that a thing anymore i you know there are some things in this world that just i don't they just fall out of favor i don't really know why you know there was the uh the hurry up offense everybody was all about a hurry up offense and you know auburn fast and all that bullshit um now and the wildcat was one of them i'm not entirely sure where the wildcat went i i do my Thought is that we don't do it because we primarily used it with Derrick Henry and Mark Ingram, and they are gigantic bruising. And well, Mark Ingram's not gigantic, but he is built, and so they could, you know, would could take on whomever. Najee, it doesn't have that kind of build. I don't mean he's like some ninety-pound weakling, but he is not. You know, he's not built to run into a to a linebacker, and you know take him on at full speed. I, you know, he's not, he's never, he's, he's an up, he's a, he's a North South runner. He's not somebody who's going to do that sort of thing. So maybe it's personnel, but honestly, I kind of think it's just not trendy anymore. Yeah. I wonder if the RPO sort of blurred the lines and they just didn't need it anymore. 
your your answer just got me thinking, who would you rather tackle, Mark Ingram or Najee Harris? I had rather tackle Najee Harris. He's going to try to get out of the way. And if you get lucky enough to grab a shoestring, maybe you right. get him. Exactly. Yeah. Mark Ingram, Mark Ingram's going to try to run over your ass. And that, and I've seen him in person and he's not any taller than I am. He is probably five, nine, but, and he weighs, you know, he weighs two fifteen, and every bit of it is a muscle. It's absurd. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's, I would not want to be, I would not want to be run over uh, by my working room at any point in time. Najee Harris, I have never seen him in person, but I've watched him run and his running style would, would not terrify me as a tackler. No, but he's going to jump over us so yeah, high okay. that it'll oh, be on I'm not going to one of them. Let's not let's let's be no, realistic. No. But if I have to pick one to get leveled by, um, I'd rather be leveled by Najee. I don't yeah, think, I think it's going to hurt fair. as much. There'll be kids in the Philippines with posters of Najee Harris jumping over me trying right. to tackle him. All right. Lastly, before we move on, one additional question: On a scale of one to ten, how would you rate your trust for returning Tide offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian? <sighs> you know. I don't know. I, I'm, when I read the question, I thought to myself, huh, what would how am I going to answer this? I think my answer then was a seven. I think that might be too high. Um, as an offensive coordinator, he's a little he, – well, he's a lot predictable. Tua got him out of that mold a little bit because he offered an option. Because Jay, I mean, it, it was frustrating under Jalen because you knew what was going to happen. Um, you know, Jalen was going to his first receiver wasn't going to be open. He's going to take off running, and whether that's a product of Sark or whether that's a product of Jalen, I don't know. But Tua gave you some more options, so I don't think he's as boring as he seems. Um, but when he has when he has Mac, Mac's not going to give him a lot of you know a lot of options to do a lot of things. So I think we're going to see some boring football for a while until Bryce takes over the reins. Uh, then when Bryce is there, I don't know. I would expect him to do more with when he has more. And he did do that with Tua. So, you know, potentially a nine, but with Mac, it's a five. So, you know, I think it depends on his personnel. Okay. You didn't ask me, but having watched that man find a way to give anyone but Julio Jones the ball in Atlanta, I don't have a lot of faith in him. I also think there's this issue we've created where we want to blame other people for Saban's potential problems. Yeah. So we'll we'll turn on a coordinator real quick because Correct. we know it's I mean, to we have been way. Or I have been, I don't want to speak for you. Uh, I have been pretty vocal on this podcast that Saban is an amazing recruiter. Saban is an amazing motivator. Saban is not a very good in-game coach. And that translates. And then, and, and like you said, that does get blamed a lot on his coordinators. Um, and it, but it all, you know, Hey, it, it, you know, it, it, it goes to the top. That's kind of where it is because, you know, he gets out coached on a regular basis, we just have better personnel and end up mostly winning the games. Mm, Okay. I'm going to go cry now. Okay. Anyway, we've solved, we've solved all the problems on the offense. Let's talk about the defense. Uh, What you got for us? You know what? Mostly I just want to spend this time talking about incoming freshman linebacker, Will Anderson, the God. I've never seen hype of this sort. Uh, 
friend of the program, Aaron Suttles. I was I was caught gumping on Maine the other day and tweeted at him from from my Twitter account and asked him who he would compare the Will Anderson hype to. And he listed Amari Cooper and Minka Fitzpatrick as the only two. The um, Falconer! Wow, that just came out of nowhere. Right, bird bird flew right through my living room here. Um, So you know, I think those two worked out pretty well. the The rumors about Anderson are just jaw dropping. Uh, I mean, it sounds like he is ready to be the dude, both on the field and most importantly in the locker room, which we love. Um, I was ready to say on this podcast that he may still split some time with. Ben Davis, but now the depth chart is out and he is numero uno, y'all. I will also say that I, for one, am just excited to see what our linebackers' knees can do when they're away from the man who treats ACLs like Hulk Hogan treats his t-shirts, Scott Cochran. Good riddance, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Noted special teams coach for the University of Georgia. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, not a lot of, not a lot of love lost, I believe. Um, Moving from the linebackers to the defensive line, I am most excited about our boy, Christian Barmore, whom we love. Uh, on September 20th, that was this week, uh, Barmore tweeted, trust and believe I will be ready alongside a little purple devil emoji. And I just got to say, that makes me both trust and believe. Uh, quite a quite a list of other folks I'm excited to see return from injuries. Speaking of Scott Cochran, uh, most prominently redshirt junior LeBrian Ray, who missed 10 games last season. Listen, many hilarious people are calling him the LeBrian Tar Pit. Oh, God. I don't know what else to say about that, but I'm just hearing that many hilarious people are saying that. So <laughs> stay, stay, stay on guard about that. Uh, another returner from injury, sophomore tackle DJ Dale. Go DJ. That is my DJ. Mm-hmm. And lastly, but certainly not leastly, the man child they named after a man of the cloth called him Dylan Moses. Uh, you'll recall that your boys were gutted uh, when he was announced all, uh, he was going to be out all of 2019 with a knee injury. Then he decided to come back after we slaughtered Michigan State in the bowl game that we're all trying to forget we went to. Uh, I think he is going to be a terrifying joy to watch on this defense. Really, really excited to see what he and Will Anderson do uh, next to each other. The linebacker depth, ungodly. The DB depth, less so. Yeah. Uh, We've got Patrick Sertan, and that's about all I know. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is we always do this. We're never, you know, we're never like good in... A complete package. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like if if either we have the world's best players at a particular group of position or they suck. Like our offensive line is either fantastic and world beaters or good God, he's getting sacked every play. You know, and it's the same with the DBs. A couple of years ago, we had the same situation. You know, we were great at linebacker. We sucked ass uh, at, at, in the DB situation. And we're back to that. And I don't know why we can't have, you know, two good linebackers and two good DBs and the rest and the other two maybe need some work. No, we have to have be a complete disaster or absolutely, you know, going in the first round at a, at a position. And it baffles me. 
Yeah, and and this is this is the point where in a decent football podcast they would say, "Yeah, watch out for Missouri quarterback who may want to test these DBs." Yeah, we we don't know who the Missouri quarterback I, is. I, I don't even, I look. I know. I don't. I don't no. know anything about. Although I will tell you, look, I've been to Mizzou for a game uh, that one where it rained all the time. It's a delightful place to be, but really, I don't care about their football. I was wondering if we were going to get into that trip. I think the only person who had more fun than TJ Yeldon that day was my pal Gregory. I had a blast. The aforementioned Aaron Suttles and friend of the program, Mark Torrance, uh, had a blast. Hunter Johnson got slapped in the face by a strange girl. I can't remember what else happened, but, you know, it was it's it's if you haven't ever made the trip to Mizzou, go. It's a. it's a cool little college town. It doesn't feel like the SEC. It feels like a Big Ten town. Um, but that's that's kind of what makes it cool. So if you haven't been, go. Yeah, call, call me after an SEC road game when Hunter Johnson didn't get slapped in the face. Fair all stuff. right. Anyway, move, moving on. I think uh, all eyes will be on Pete Golding this year, who has promised the defense is going to get better. That is funny because we were still in the top 20 last year, I think around 18, uh, which is traumatic for an Alabama fan to have to sit through. And I, for one, can't do it again. Uh, On a scale of one to 10, my trust for Golding is a four. I mean, I, I recognize that we need to have a little more patience this year after looking over that list of injuries we had last year. But if the defense starts to resemble what we saw last year, I'm a break quarantine and take it to the streets, Gregory. All right, what about you? One through 10 on Pete Golding. Pete Golding, Pete Golding. You know what? There has not been a Dave Matthews album since 2018, and until there is, I'm not sure if Pete is capable of truly putting his art into anything. (laughs) All right, well put, well put. Um, Anyway, here at Houndstooth Heroes, no one has ever accused us of only knowing Alabama football. In fact, no one has accused us of knowing any football at all. But As we survey the SEC football landscape heading into this bizarro season, we have some new old faces. Uh, We're going to do a speed-ish round where I name the new coach and Gregory, you deliver your takes. Missouri's new coach is one Ilya Drinkwitz. I have literally never heard of this human. Okay, fair enough. All I can add about him is that he posted a very intense never forget Twitter image uh, to celebrate September 11th, I guess. So that is what we know. All right. Arkansas, Sam Pittman. I have literally never heard of this human. Okay, I'm sensing a trend here. Moving on to Starkville, Mississippi State, Mike Leach. This human I know. Um, Interesting hire for the moo. I... A, a weird hire for the move because it just doesn't fit their mold of what they've always done. But maybe that's why they've uh, ch- chose, chosen to bro- break the mold. Uh, I think he's going to get bored there. I know it's hard to get, imagine getting bored in Starkville, but I just don't see him. He tends to get bored everywhere, so it's not just Starkville. But that, but again, he's been in Starkville, then he was in Pullman, so it's not like he's going to you know the lands of enchantment. Um, so. I think he's going to get bored there and they're going to start losing eventually. I think, you know, they're going to be excited the way they get, you know, Mississippi state is, is, is like Auburn. They, their fans get so excited about just anything. It's just so excitable. It's just annoying. I think in the first year, they're going to pull a couple of upsets. I don't know who they're going to be just now because they're not very good. Um, they're better than Arkansas in the West. And I think that's about it, but you know, they may pull one out of their butt and uh, it would not surprise me. 
So, you know, I, I, I don't see it being a long-term success, but maybe in the short term, we might pull off an upset or two. I think that's fair. I feel like most coaches that go to Starkville, ultimately their wives are the ones who are like, we got to get out of here. And Mike Leach does not strike me as a man who listens to his wife particularly well. So we'll see. Maybe he'll fit right in. I I am curious to see if he'll teach another class on warfare or whatever he fancies himself an expert in. All right. And lastly, on the new coach front, Ole Miss with your boy, Joey Freshwater, Lane Kiffin. I am in love with Lane Kiffin. Always have been, always will be. Here's the thing. I think it'll be interest. I think he's the most interesting and potentially has the most upside of any hire that you've listed. Almost has some talent there. They're much better than Arkansas. They're probably they are better than Mississippi State. Um, I think almost in Three or four years, if freshwater doesn't get bored, and you know, and and look, there's there's plenty of let's call it entertainment for people like him, if you know what I'm saying, on the Oxford front. Um, so I think he will find things to keep him busy and entertained. And I think Ole Miss ultimately, you know, they're not going to win a lot of games this year, but I think all down the road they're going to surprise some people. So I would not be surprised if uh, Ole Miss, you know, and Two or three years, you know, they're not they're not going to Atlanta. Um, they're never going to go to Atlanta, but I think they can start winning eight or nine games. And that's good enough in Oxford. Mm, is he? What's your give it a percentage? I guess odds that Lane Kiffin ends up in Tuscaloosa one day. Nineteen. Okay, as a, as someone who has been hired, I mean, I was okay. going to say, like, what? I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is it going to be in rounders? Probably so. Is he going to be on the football field coaching the team? No. My number is nineteen. Okay, I think that's fair. All right, all right, all right. Let's get to the wagering. Yeah, this year. Hey, all right. One person is excited. <laughs> this year, every game we'll discuss is a Southeastern Conference game, and I have to say, it just means more. Now, these are picks that you can absolutely not take to the bank. As we've said before, you can take them to the bank, but nothing will happen. They'll definitely look at you funny. They may very well choose to liquidate your assets. As always, your boys are avowed player haters, meaning we will never tell you a team we like. So for each spread, we will tell you one team we hate. If it gets confusing for you, don't worry. You can only imagine how confusing it is for us. Let's get to it, Gregorio. All right. First up, the action kicks off at 11 a.m. Central Time on Saturday with maybe the two most interesting games on the SEC slate. We're going to start in Oxford, uh, where Mullins, Florida Gators, are 10. I don't know. You're on the Google Docs trying to change. <laughs> this is 102 point favorites. There are 102 point favorites now against Ole Miss, which I've got to say, Take the rubs. I mean, who, who covers 102 points? What is the number? Is it 12? I think it's 12. All right. I, okay. It is 12 against Ole Miss. Tell me, Metsy, who do you hate? You know, a lot of hype around uh, D'Anthony Mullins, Florida Gators here. I They are projected to put up a fight for the East. I don't really see that happening, but I also think uh, having a year under Mullen's belt uh, gives them a significant leg up here. Ole Miss is going to be, you know, trying to figure out who they are under Lane Kiffin. 
not the first ones to do that. Am I right? Oh, and, wow. uh, and, and without any home field advantage, I think the Rebs have a hard time. So I am hating a Reb here. <sighs> this was a, this is a bait. They, they, this is artificially low. They think everybody's going to jump on Florida because they feel like Florida is a two touchdown favorite. Ole Miss keeps this within 12. They probably keep it within 10 or eight. Ole Miss still loses, but they cover this game. I am hating the Florida Gator. Mm, all right. Very well. Now on to Auburn, where Los Tigres de Gus, de Goose, are eight point faves against the Cats, who are led by a stoop kid, a stoops kid. I can't remember which one. Uh, this game is raising lots of finely pedicured eyebrows on the national TV scene. Gregory, tell me here, who do you hate? I hate, and this is my hate of the week, hate of the week, hate of the week, hate of the week, friends. I hate an Auburn Tiger. Uh, Mm. Eight points. Look, Kentucky was a lot better last year. Uh, Their record showed it, but they were better than their record last year. And they have one hell of an offensive line. So I um, do believe that. Kentucky not only covers the eight, they win the game outright. Oh boy. Are you, is that your head thinking or your little, little head? (laughs) All right. Anyway, don't don't answer that. (laughs) Uh, I, I think I'm going to go the other way and it is, uh, I, I don't have any basis for this except that I cannot, envision a world in which uh, Auburn can't beat Kentucky by eight points at home to open a season. So I'm going to side with Gus here and hate a cat. It kills me. All right. Next up, uh, down on the bayou, Mississippi State travels to LSU. LSU is giving the move 19 and a half points. Who do you hate? Yeah, this is going to be an interesting one in that LSU lost everyone, literally everyone. Uh, my, my big theory here coming out of you know, the first couple couple weeks of quarantine football is I think the favorites are the teams who are, you know, better bonded. They've been been around longer. They've got stability at the coaching front, maybe a couple of return starters, which is probably more than LSU can say. Uh, but I have to believe that LSU is a better football team and a better prepared football team than what is coming out of Starkville. So I'm going to hate a bulldog and get on the, uh, get on the Tigers here. I agree with you. And I, there's, you brought up something I wanted to talk about. We haven't had a chance. Um, I think this season favors old guard teams that are experienced and don't, you know, because this, this is, and are, are loaded with talent. And ding, ding, ding. because that's the thing is we haven't had time to coach everybody up. So a mediocre team doesn't, has not had time to get really good. So this season, I think, is going to be de- decided by the teams that just happen to have the most talent on the field. And I agree with you. Um, if it were most other teams in the conference, I would not. But Mississippi State has very little talent. LSU, despite losing a lot of talent, is still more than 19 and a half points better than, better than Mississippi State. I am hating on the move. All right. Um, we are going to now turn to Hogland or Hogville, if you will. But by all means, do not go to Hogville. It's the worst web- website you can find yourself on. It's terrifying. Uh, <laughs> And this is fits in with what we just spoke about. 
Uh, yeah. Eric, if Georgia travels to Fayetteville, where they are given the hog 24 and a half points, who do you hate, brother? Yep, I'm all over Uga here. I just think, uh, again, everything we've talked about, more talent, um, more familiarity. I think they're going to blow Arkansas out. Again, we've heard of their coach now because I looked up his name to put it in this outline, mm-hmm. but there, there's nothing else to know about Arkansas. I don't think this game is close at all. Hating a hog big. Yeah, this is this is a generationally bad Arkansas team. Uh, you know, every most teams that we have talked about, with the exception of Mississippi State, uh, can beat Arkansas by twenty four and a half. So this, you know, if I hadn't already given you a hate of the week, this would be my secondary hate of the week. Georgia's going to beat the shit out of Arkansas. Mm-hmm. That is my secondary hate of the week as well. But stay tuned. All right, next up, Coach Boom, your Coach Boom, Coach Boom himself, who owns a 7-1 and one record in eight games as a head coach against the Vol, uh, will be at home at Williams-Brice Stadium, where his cocks are three-point faves against Tennessee and Jeremy Pruitt. Gregory, tell me who you hate. Are you sure that line is right? I thought it was the other way. But Tennessee really is matter. a three-point fave. Tennessee is very much a three-point fave. Okay, yeah. I believe... I'm going to hate on a boom, uh, even though he does. He he has you know taken up residence in the in, in owns a condo in the Vol. I do think the streak ends now. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt's team is better. I think they're. I, I just boom man. How long is he going to get before they finally do something? And it, we keep like this is the year. This is the year. And I was the dumbass last year. It was like this is the year. No, Boo is never going to get it done. Pruitt's team is rising. They're going to cover the three. I hate on a boom. It's what really less you? of a boom, more like a plop. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Again, I want to be new podcast mates anytime. Anytime you want, send me a tape. Oh, hurtful, <laughs> but fair. Um, I, that's kind of what I'm hung up on, too. I mean, there have been many games where Tennessee should have beat South Carolina and Boom has figured out a way to make it hilarious. But yeah, the second half of the season and really starting with the Alabama game, Tennessee was a totally different team than the one who lost to Georgia State. Speaking of hilarity, uh, I I think they will continue to build on that. I mean, I'm not to the point where I'm worried, people. Let's be calm and clear here but i do think they are significantly better than south carolina so i too am hating the cock fair all right yes now moving on to college station and what i didn't look up for this one and and already regretting is we need to know if the weirdo milkman will be allowed in the stadium or not feel like that feel like that's going to impact the outcome in in some way good point and because they're going to lose their minds if they don't get their their weird milkman how would they know when to shove their thumb where? Right. Uh, anyway, yes. the, te- the Texas A&M Jimbo Aggies are 30-point faves against my Nashville-based Vandy Commodores. Gregory, who you hate? This A&M team, people love this A&M team. They think it's good. they're going to win 11 games. This A&M team is not that good, but they are more than 30 points better than Vandy. I hate a door. Oh, man, it's like you're reading from my notes, which I don't have. Right. Uh, that's exactly right. I'm not sold on A&M, but I will be making great money betting against Vanderbilt all season long. I've been watching the local news here. Not watching. Nobody watches the local news. I've been uh, tweeting, tweeting with the local news. And the Vandy kids, half of them have opted out. Half of them have just decided 
to try something different. I think there's a few who just transferred to the chess team. That type Somebody of thing. took up the flute. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. literally. No, they 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 were auditioning a kicker on the offensive line at some point. They, right. I mean, they have lost everybody they had, and that was not much to begin with. This is, in fact, my hate of the week. The week of the week. The week. Uh, thank you. Uh, yeah, if this line were 40, I think I would still load up on AM. It's not going to be close. It's not going to be pretty. All right. And now for a somewhat of a, a special segment, we are excited to have recruited longtime hero listener Ian and uh, more recently producer Ian to help us try to make this podcast somehow suck less. I will say that if he succeeds, it will be a miracle. But as a sign of our appreciation for his efforts to even try to help us, uh, and and I want to be clear that this is certainly not just another signal of a burgeoning gambling problem, we are also going to make some Pitt's picks revolving around Ian's beloved Pitt Panthers. We like a Panther. Mm -hmm. They're a a fine Panther. Almost as much as we like alliteration. Ooh, we do. We do. So this week, the Panthers... Anybody call them the pants? They do not. No. Okay. Well, they're hosting the Louisville Cardinals, fresh off a nationally televised whooping by the U. Uh, our Panthers are three-point home faves. Gregory, who do you hate here? I'm, dude, I, you know, I was high on a Louisville Cardinal coming into this year. Uh, you know, nobody's going to challenge Clemson in that conference, but I felt like if anybody could get close to them, it was Louisville. Uh, then I saw them completely get pantsed by Miami. Um, and Miami, friends, is not a good football team. So what that says to me is Louisville is even worse of a football team than Miami, which is tragic. I don't know much about Pitt, but if they're a three-point favorite over Louisville, I think they cover it. Um, I am going to hate on a Louisville Cardinal. What about yourself? Oh, man. You haven't watched Kenny Pickett and the boys out of Pittsburgh this year? What are you even talking uh, about? <laughs> I don't know. Now, I do love Pittsburgh's coach, Pat Narduzzi. Call him the Nard Dog. He likes that. Nobody uh, likes him. <laughs> do they not? No, everybody hates him. Yeah, he's the worst. <sighs> even Petty right. hates him. He's just universally hated. I thought I'd found a hero. No. Anyway, uh, I, I I like Pittsburgh here. Louisville just looked awful against Miami, and not so much in their play, but a lot in their coaching and play calling. There have been yeah. smarter people than I breaking that down on Twitter all week, and some of the missed assignments and that type of thing were ugly, ugly. So I hope that trend continues uh, at Heinz Field, and I am hating a card. And that brings us to the final game. The game that everybody's been waiting to hear us talk about and that we have been researching, I mean, for what, months, weeks, however long the schedule's been out. Boy, have we really dug in and done our homework on this one. Uh, I believe the game is at Missouri. It is. It is. Your Tide is traveling to lovely Columbia and they are, as of right now, 27 and a half point favorites against the weird yellow and black tigers gregory tell me who you hate um let me just tell you what i know about missouri is that they are all diseased um apparently all half of the missouri team is out um i would have taken the tide at 34 against a full strength missouri um Mm. against a diseased withered missouri i would take the tide at 42 so i am gonna hate on mizzou pretty hard what about yourself well it's 
I'm interested to see how the tide comes out because we love to start a, a an opening game against a lesser opponent very slowly. We, do. we love to really come around, come out and just stick around. Uh-huh. But I think the fact that this is a weird season and we're starting immediately with an SEC opponent, and I even think being on the road in their stadium is going to help us. Yeah. Um, despite the quarterback issue, I, I think we will probably see... I don't know. I now I'm second guessing. I think we see 90% Mac and probably don't see Bryce until late. Uh, I think we do see both, but it's going to be mop up duty. I think the tide is, yeah, to your point, just better prepared, better conditioned, and far, far superior of athletes. So I think tide wins big. I'll call it 45 to six, 45 to six. Oh, that's right. And hate the tiger Forgot about scores. Uh, 55 to 10. Woo, I like it. Yeah. All right. That'll do it for, the other, for uh, this year's first edition of Houndstooth Heroes, ladies and gentlemen. We'll try to do better next week. I cannot guarantee you a damn thing. Uh, thanks to Bone Elliott, all the very good people at Druid City Brewing Company, for keeping us in the tastiest of suds. When you're in Tuscaloosa, you should do the same. Just a quick FYI, uh, they're moving. Uh, they're well, not, I mean, you won't be able to miss them. You won't be able to miss them because they're just moving across the parking lot to a bigger building. But Druid City's mm. moving. Uh, so please, but they are open for definitely takeout. I'm not entirely sure if you can go in the uh, tap room or not right now. Um, but you can uh, definitely follow Bo Hicks on Twitter uh, or Druid City Brew Company on Twitter and you can find out that information. But, you know, we are all about supporting small business, local business and friends of ours business. And this is all three. So if you get the chance, got drop by Druid City, pick up some brews uh, and uh, take us home, my man. Elliot, I have not forgotten your Twitter presence and I think oh, you're so a delight. <laughs> it's okay. Do you know how that affects parking? We need to know before the next episode. Uh, I don't know, but we'll find out. But it's in the same uh, okay. parking lot. So, you know, it's, I don't know if that, you know, I don't know if the Boy Scouts affect where this, you know, where they are now. Uh, because if you're familiar with it, uh, if you're looking at Oz Music um, and Mr. Chan's, you look, you turn to your left and it's that building over there. So um, it's a different building, but within sight of the old building. So not that big of a move, but a much better space. And we are as excited as we can be for them. Okay, fair enough. All right, everybody be good. Wear your masks. I'm talking to you, listener Carol. Love you, Gregory. Love you, buddy. Roll Tide. Roll Tide.